All right. Well, we're in holiness as our subject for this week. Um, how many of you thought about holiness this week because of what we said last week? Like, it just popped in your brain, like, holiness. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Good. Yay, one person. Um, so let's start this morning simply by saying, what do you remember from last week? What did we talk about? Nothing. Did someone say nothing? Yes. Good. Honesty. It is a virtue. What do you guys, do you guys remember anything from last week? Holiness. Yes. We like made a chart about, you know, what we think is holy and what is unholy. Yeah. And then we talked about like the idea of is this, you know, I think it was we compared like two verses and if they're the same, like which one does it, does it appeal to us better than the other one? And then like some of us made the connection where it's like both of them are right. It's just they're putting different perspectives and then. Good. Yeah. Yeah, all that. So we talked about what is holiness, what kind of comes to mind, um, what types of things do holy people do and do holy people not do. We said that's what we kind of made the list on the board for. And then we read those two statements. You guys remember the two statements? God is gracious. Uh, God is a gracious God who forgives sinners no matter how many times they sin. And God is a holy God who commands his followers to be holy and to obey his laws. And we talked about which one of those kind of appeals to us more or makes us feel more comfortable, which one of those is true. We said both of them. Which one would you rather share with your friends um, and why? So we kind of talked about that last week. And we ended with a quote. I just want to read you the quote. We ended with this question, do we value holiness? And we're going we're gonna to dig deeper into that. Do we value it? And we read this. There is a gap between our love for the gospel and our love for godliness. This must change. It's not pietism, legalism, or fundamentalism to take holiness seriously. It's the way of all those who have been called to a holy calling by a holy God. So we said there's a gap. There's a gap in, in how much we love the gospel and how much we love godliness, which is another way of talking about, about holiness. Okay? So today we're going to start bridging that gap between the gospel and godliness. And, you know, that's, that's not an easy thing to do on any day, especially on the day of daylight savings. So um, how many of us are tired? Yeah. Yes. I wake up about an hour and a half earlier on Sundays than I do most other days. And so daylight savings is brutal. <laughs> you just you can't think about what time it really is when you're waking up. It's just not helpful. Just got to go for it. Um, and then when you've got a little girl who has the flu at home who has woken you up about five times during the night as well, that is not fun. So we're all a little bit tired, so let's do this. Let's get in the little groups here. We're going to use uh, some discussion to help us stay uh, engaged here. Um, and so we've only got a number. Why don't we just do three groups? Why don't you guys jump into three groups, um, split up, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Ready, set, Go! I refuse to repeat myself. I refuse to repeat myself. Maggie Worley, turn around, come back in. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not officially here, so... You are officially here. 
Where, where officially do you think you are right now? Oh, I've checked you in. See, I caught you. I was going to say something at the beginning, because Angel told me that when we did groups last time, you, you felt like you should maybe go. No. Who, who wants Maggie to be in their group and to stay? Okay? Very. <laughs> yeah. She's already achieved it. Done. Check. Okay. So here we go, guys. We, we want you here. It's not an official. Don't worry about it. Okay, so holiness, what is it? In your group, I just want you guys to chat about these two quick questions, and then we're going to jump into our conversation. What in Scripture is described as being holy? Okay, so think about that. You could make a list. And what does it mean to be holy? All right, so I'm just going to give you two minutes. Chit-chat for two minutes in your groups, and we'll come back to you. All right, so let's bring it together. What do you guys think? What, what's, what are some things you've got listed as being holy? There's a really big one. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Genesis, when God created the world, he said that it was holy. When God created the world, he said it was holy. He said it was good. He said it was good. He said it was good. Yeah. So, I, yes, so here's why I'm not immediately jumping on board is we need to be careful about our words and which ones go with which things. So he did say the world was very good, okay? And sin didn't exist, right, early in the world. So there is an aspect to where it's holy, okay? Keep going. What else? Holy. Jesus is described as holy. Do you know where? You're, just, you're pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure, okay? All right. <laughs> There is someone who calls Jesus holy, who identifies him as holy, and it's not someone that you would expect. Anyone know? It's a demon, right? I know who you are, the holy one of God, he says, right? And Jesus comes. Good. What else? Yeah? This is like more of like the mindset where it says like, you know, in Galatians where it's like the fruit of the spirit, and then it talks about whatever is pure, whatever is normal thing about the first thing, so it's probably like Okay, so holiness is a thing that we can pursue and think about. Okay, let's think, keep thinking about things described as holy. Yes, what? The Sabbath is a big one. Okay, the Sabbath is holy. Yeah. Okay, so the ground that Moses was on at the burning bush is holy. Good. Yeah? I'm not sure if this right, but was the um, Ark of the Covenant called holy? Sure, yeah. The Ark of the Covenant was holy. Yeah? I have two. Mary and the Holy of Holies. You know the place in the temple? Okay. Yes, so the Holy of Holies for sure. Mary. Pretty sure she's called holy once or twice. She's definitely referred to as Holy Mary in certain traditions, um, but I would have to check in Scripture to see if it said that she was holy. I'm not immediately confident of that. Yeah, I'm too tired. Okay. Yeah? The Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. Okay, what about the temple? Temple holy? Okay. All the articles of the temple. Yeah. And the tabernacle is the tent version of the temple. And then there's all this stuff that goes in it. There's plates and lampstands and, and bread. And 
uh, fire and incense and the priests, okay? The curtain, everything that goes in here is described as being holy, calling, very um, enthusiastic. So, yes. <laughs> so the new temple is the church. So the temple is holy. Okay, is the church called holy? So you're, you're doing that based on a logical connection. So we want to know the scripture called the church holy. Okay, yep. Okay, so he's presenting you, he's going to present you holy and blameless. Who's you? Yeah, and who is Paul writing to in Colossians and Romans and every uh, other letter? The Colossian church. Church, right, good, awesome. So that's a great evidence to help call them out and bail them out. There is evidence that the church let's, just, let's be honest where that answer came from. Yeah. <laughs> and at least. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so, so let's talk about holiness real quick. What do you guys, first of all, if you were to define holiness or holy, what does it mean for something to be holy? There's a difference between holiness and holy. What are we talking about when we say something is holy? You guys learned a definition in your early days or no? Okay. So for, let, me, let me use an example, okay? The, at, in the temple... Um, could you just waltz into any room in the temple as if you were walking into one of the rooms in your house? No. Okay, because it's holy. There's something about it, right? Could you go to the temple and take one of the plates that had been consecrated, had blood put on it to consecrate it, and go and, you know, heat up your mac and cheese on it in the microwave and eat your mac and cheese on it? Yeah, it's true. The microwave would not survive that scenario, right? Um... It's holy in the sense that it's been set apart. You guys heard this definition, right? That something that's holy is something that is set apart for a specific purpose or a specific use, okay? So the items in the temple are set apart from normal items. The Sabbath is a day that has been set apart to observe worshiping God and, and stop working, okay? Um, and yet there's also an element of holy that's talking about purity and sinlessness, okay? So God is holy both in the fact that he's set apart from us, he's perfectly, and, and that he's perfectly sinless and pure and good and righteous, okay? They kind of go together. Jesus was holy in the sense that he's sinless and pure, right? Um, so this is, this is the concept of holy. So let me talk really quick about scripture and what's described as holy. So God is holy. He is Separate from sin, he's devoted to seeking his own honor. He is called throughout scripture the most holy one. And he's called holy, holy, holy in Isaiah by the heavenly seraphim, okay? Which means to say something was holy, holy, it was very holy. To say it was holy, 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 that's to say it's the holiest. So the room, the holy of holies, that's the very holy room. God is Holy, holy, holy. He's the holiest being, okay? And where God dwells is called holy. That's why we see have the holy of holies in the temple. Um, that's why his he heaven is called holy. 
The things used to worship God are holy, so all the altars and the priests and the tabernacle and the temple and all the vessels are holy. And in the Old Testament, the people are called to be holy. Israel is called to be holy. So let me read you this. It says in Leviticus 19.2, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Okay? That's a really important one for us to listen to. That defining Israel and who they are is this call for them to be like God in the sense that they are to pursue holiness. And he also calls Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In Exodus 19, it says, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. What are priests? They're they're holy people, right? People who have been set apart to serve God. And a holy nation. So a nation set apart for the service of God. God. So this means that they were separate to to be separate from evil and sin and live lives devoted to serving and obeying God. Now what's really interesting here is that in the Old Testament, these people are constantly being called towards holiness. I want you to think about that. They're being called, and God, he has these conditional clauses. Okay, let's remember our grammar here. Conditional means he says, if, then, if you will follow me and obey my commands, then you will be holy. He's inviting them to holiness, okay? And he gives them this holy day, the Sabbath, to set aside to to serve him. He gives them holy commandments, the Ten Commandments, to teach them what holiness looks like so they know. Um, And he gives them rules and rituals for what to do when they break these commandments and don't live holy lives. So here's the question that I want us to ask in our groups. The next one. Has anything changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Is the church still functioning in the same way Israel was told to function with regard to holiness? Okay, so Israel was told, here's how you operate with holiness. There's things that make you unclean, there's things that make you clean. I have given you a temple, here's what you have to do in order to come to me in front of the temple and worship me and be holy before me. Okay, here are the commandments you must follow to be holy. Has anything changed between the New Testament and the Old Testament? Go ahead and chat for a few minutes, and then we're going to watch a quick video. What do you guys think? What has changed? So we watched the video from the Bible Project on holiness. What has changed between the Testaments with regard to holiness? Adam, what do you think? What's changed from the Old Testament and how holiness worked and, and the New Testament? Yeah, so there was, you know, back then, there were all these things that made you impure, right? And, and when you touched them, you were impure and you were constantly having to do things to remove that impurity. And now as Jesus comes... What happens, and this is what's so remarkable about the Gospels. I know that when you guys, when we read the the miracles, they're remarkable in themselves. But when we understand what's happening, it's even more remarkable. Which is what's happening is you have someone who's so holy that when he touches a dead person, he doesn't become unclean. The dead person comes to life. And when he touches people with leprosy and all these things that throughout the Old Testament says, 
you know, don't do this, you'll become unholy. Now Jesus does them, and instead of him becoming unholy, those things become holy, okay? And so now here comes Jesus, and what he has done for the church is he's touched us to make us holy. So the big difference here is that in the Old Testament, that they were continually being told to be holy and constantly being invited to pursue holiness. And yet the way that we talk to the church is different because it says you are holy. So you, if you are a follower of Christ, are holy. And I want you to let that sink in for a minute. I mean, I think that should bring us to tears as we think about the fact that if you were born pre-Christ, you would never know what that, that really was. And you are assured in the Gospels that you are holy. But then you might say, but I'm not. So how do I understand this? So let's talk about how we understand what it means to be holy as a Christian, okay? Typically, we have these two really big words that we use called justification and sanctification. Justification is this word that we talk about. We use talk about how we are declared righteous. It's like we are before the court and God is the judge and we're guilty and God says, nope, you're righteous. I declare you to be righteous, and then, typically, we say sanctification, which the word sancta is the Latin word for holy, so it's in the word sanctification, it is this process that comes after justification where we grow in becoming more and more holy. Is that basically how you've understood it? Maybe? Yes? Okay. That ten, tends to be how we talk about it. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that there are a few places throughout Scripture where it doesn't just say that we are to be holy, it says that we are holy. Okay, so an example is right here. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, he's talking to the Corinthian church and he's saying you shouldn't do all these things and then he goes on to say, and I know you won't because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So he's saying very clearly you were sanctified in the past. You were made holy in the past. So it's not just this thing that we do after we become a Christian. Sometimes we think of justification as if justification is like, that's what happens when I get saved. And then, you know, I have to do the whole sanctification thing. And that's why a lot of times you'll hear people talk about justification a lot. Like, this is really important. We have to understand. You've been justified. You've been declared righteous, all this. And sanctification kind of gets forgotten in the process a little bit. But Paul says here, no, 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 you were sanctified. You were sanctified. But then, later on, he says something like this. Romans, this is another book here. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now... Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So he's talking to the church and he's saying, you know, you once lived this way, now live in a different way, leading to sanctification, becoming more and more holy. So we see that he uses both of them. You were sanctified and you need to be sanctified. So how do we understand this? So I, this is a helpful chart that explains how we are supposed to think of ourselves as sanctified and holy, okay? And it's this. You lived your life down here before you came to Christ. 
you lived an unholy life, okay? Just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity. That's down here. You are a slave to impurity. Okay? Now, some of us have grown up in the Christian home, and we don't identify with this that much, but there are those, if you came to Christ later on, you would be able to very clearly say, oh yeah, I know exactly what that's talking about. Like, I remember I would, you know, look down the list of movies that had the worst content so that I could go see them. Or I wanted the, I don't know, the thing that was going to, you know, hurt me and harm me the most, I was pursuing impurity. It wasn't like I was just kind of stumbling around. I really wanted it. But Scripture says, when you come to Christ, this happens. Your life is now in the category of holy. That you were washed. You were sanctified. You were made Pure. And in the video, we're talking about how they are trying to constantly get rid of the impurity that comes from touching this and that and doing this and that. And Scripture is saying, when you come to Christ, you are made holy, you are made pure. And then, life looks like this. Kind of like the Tao. Alright? And so, Paul says, pursue... You know, present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. So this is how Paul can say, you need to be pursuing holiness. You are holy, but you know very well that you're not that holy, and you need to pursue it. And notice how this isn't just like, notice I didn't draw just a gradual line, because we all know it doesn't work that way, right? right? We gradually go up, and there are some days where we kind of go down a little bit, and then there are some days we go up, and we go down. The Christian life, though, should always be an upward trajectory. We're growing and growing in holiness. And here's the really sweet news, that when we die, guess what happens? We jump up here, where we are perfectly holy. Where all sin is washed from us and we don't sin anymore. We live a perfectly holy life from then on out. Okay, so this is um, a representation of it, but maybe it would be better to have a little bit of an uh, illustration, Okay. So think of this illustration. There is a difference between becoming a U.S. citizen and becoming a teacher. Okay? When you become a U.S. citizen, you are stamped, you're approved, you are given your citizenship, and they say, go live your life and be a citizen. Okay? You don't have to keep coming back and getting you know, things put in your passport and keep doing this and that to stay a citizen. You just, you just are one. And in that sense, you are holy. But for a teacher, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's confusing. That's talking more about like justification. That's how we understand justification. You've been stamped. You've been justified. But for a teacher, what happens? You go to school. You get your certification. And they stamp you. You're certified. You are a teacher. Do you just get to go and do whatever the heck you want with the rest of your life? Yeah. No, because then you might not be a teacher, really. Okay, so you need to go and teach. Be in a classroom, teach. You need to keep up your accreditation, right? There's different things you have to keep doing to stay a teacher, okay? You have to stay on top of the, the practices in your field and keep teaching to be a teacher, okay? So that's more like what sanctification is like. You've been stamped and approved. You are holy, but you have to keep growing in it. You are to grow in holiness. And the way that kind of the grammarians would talk about it is it's something that happened in the past that has ongoing effect in your life. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so holiness is something that happened in your past. You were made holy, but it has an ongoing effect throughout your life. So here's the question, the million-dollar question for us. Why does it matter? Well, let's go quickly. Why does it matter? Do you guys remember that image in the video of, of the sun and the, the unholy guy like trying to get close and, and it's like blowing him away? It matters because God created us to be in a relationship with him and God is holy. And he created us to be in relationship and we can't be in that relationship unless we become holy. So we need to be holy to be in relationship with God. And so another way of saying that is this. Holiness is an essential part of being saved. So if you talk about being saved, you can't just say, well, I've been justified. You also have to be sanctified in order to be saved. And here's why. When Adam and Eve sinned, two things happened. On the one hand, they were declared guilty and condemned before a holy judge. On the other hand, their nature was corrupted. They became slaves to sin. So it could have been that they sinned once and God said, you're guilty. And then they went and they lived a perfect life for the rest of their life. But that's not what happened, right? They sinned once. God said, you're guilty. And because of that one sin, they became slaves to sin. And they kept sinning and sinning and sinning. So salvation needs to save us from both of those effects. We need to be saved in both of those ways. So we need to be saved in that God needs to justify us. He needs to say, you are righteous and I forgive you of your sin and I declare you forgiven. That's justification. But we also need this corrupt nature inside of us to be changed. We need this unholiness inside of us that is a slave to sin to be redeemed so that not only are we not slaves to sin, like the power's been broken, but we also aren't slaves to sin in that we stop sinning. We do it less and less and less and less and less. So holiness is an essential part of what it means to be saved. And the question is, if you aren't growing in holiness, are you saved? And the answer is no. We have to be people who are growing in holiness because that's why God saved us. He saved us to be a holy people. So the big idea for us is that holiness matters. It really matters. If we're to call ourselves Christians, we can't just be good theologians and know big words and know what they mean. We can't just say, well, I remember back when I was five and I prayed this prayer. We have to be people who were made holy on that day and have been growing in holiness all along. This is described in Ephesians 2. Do you guys, we've studied Ephesians 2, and it's that great passage where it talks about being raised from death to life. And so if you think about it, it says, you, have been, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but God, being rich in mercy, has raised you to new life in Christ. And it doesn't just stop there. Verse 10 says this. I think I have it. Nope, I don't. Verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, you were saved to do good works. You were saved to be made holy. You were given life so that you would grow in holiness and doing good deeds before God. 
And the reality is, it isn't optional. Romans 6.1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer, by no means. How can we who died still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? So think about this. If you are dead and supposedly you were brought to life, and the mark of being brought to life is that you are growing in holiness, if you aren't growing in holiness, were you brought to life? That's the question. And Paul says, no. He goes on to say, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall be certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And this is a res- resurrection to a new life, a way of living in holiness. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't be who you aren't. Be who you are. You are alive in Christ, so you should be growing in holiness. So does it matter to you? That's the question I want us to go away with today. Does holiness matter to you? Is it something that you are honestly concerned about? that you're honestly seeking and trying to grow in? And I could think that that question could lead to two responses. One is it could lead you to despair. And you could say, how am I ever going to do that? <laughs> how am I ever going to be holy? I mean, I, I know myself. This is not, it's not looking good. I would remind you that if you are in Christ, you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been made holy. And for some of us, it it could lead to some form of spiritual pride. Oh, yes, it matters to me. Far more than all the other losers in the youth group. I I am definitely pursuing holiness, and I am probably the best at it in the room. Well, remember, you are being sanctified. It is a work in progress. Though God has made you holy, you are to grow in holiness. So does that help kind of give us a framework for holiness and how we're supposed to understand it? I hope it does. It's kind of more on the theological side of things, I know. But it's important for us to understand these things so that we can go on in the next couple of weeks and we're going to talk about how do I really grow in it then? How do I grow in this holiness? We're going to talk about what is supposed to motivate me. I really don't feel motivated. You know, you say, does it matter to you? The answer is not really. And how do I change that? And then... um, There's one more, but I can't remember off the top of my head, okay? So we're going to go in that direction. Why don't you guys take, is that clock right? A little bit fast. Take one minute and just um, one one takeaway from this morning. Go around the circle. What's one takeaway from this morning um, that you can take with you as you walk out the room?